millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio, Women's Football Weekly with Fake Others on TalkSport 2. All the action, excitement and drama from across the entire women's game, including the Women's Super League. Clean off the line by Steph Horton. The UEFA Women's Champions League and the Euro 2021 qualifiers. Lana Clellan striking from outside the penalty area. World beating, big match conversation on the station that's raising the game for women's football. And she scores. Women's Football Weekly with Fake Others on TalkSport 2. Hello, hello. Welcome to Women's Football Weekly after another successful Women's Football Weekend. Yes, there weren't 70,000 fans packing out stadia up and down the country, but there were some absolute crackers for us to watch. It's loose inside that six yard Robert, brilliant save, but it's forced in. And Manchester United have completed the comeback. The league leaders held by their deadly rivals, Manchester City, by two goals apiece. So United stay top of the table after coming from behind to draw with City. England's Georgia Stanway will be with us to discuss that one. Meanwhile, it was also honours even in the London derby. Cross was deflected and it's gone in. Oh, would you believe it? What a way for Arsenal to concede. And it finishes at Meadow Park. Arsenal won, Chelsea won. Chelsea's Erin Cuthbert is fresh off the pitch and with us tonight. And as if two derbies weren't enough, we were treated to a third and there was a winner in West Midlands. And Dow has it away, only as far as Walker, who banged it off the bar and into the back of the net. Claudia Walker continues her fine run of form in front of goal. Birmingham City claimed all three points in the first ever WSL West Midlands derby at Villa Park. All that, plus we'll round up the championship and look ahead to the Sunday Times Sports Women of the Year Awards. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others. Hi, I'm Jordan Nobbs and you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Monday comes around quickly, doesn't it? Okay, hello to you. Thank you for being with us as ever. We have a couple of cracking guests for you as well. Let me first introduce Erin Cuthbert, Scotland and Chelsea winner and top of the uh, and winner of the Talksport Quiz Players Table as well. What an accolade, Erin. How are you doing? Oh wow. I think we left the, the best accolade till the end there. Thank you. Thanks for having me did. on. Listen, eight out of ten, you've absolutely smashed it. Nobody has got any better. Um, <laughs> let's see, Rebecca Myers, Times and Sunday Times journalist, how are you doing? 
I'm good, thank you. Yeah, no such a quiz. <laughs> Impressive starting statistics over here, but all good. Well, I can give you a quiz if you want. Oh, God, no, please. <laughs> <laughs> or Erin could pose you one, maybe. Uh, maybe we should have done a, a, a head-to-head at the end of this show. But anyway, right, it was Women's Football Weekend, uh, but not quite as we know it. 70,000 fans packed stadia across the country at the inaugural weekend last year. Uh, you guys were all so missed. But it was a weekend packed full of derbies, rival games in Manchester, Birmingham and London, and those matchups certainly did not disappoint. It's loose inside that six yard run, but brilliant save, but it's forced in, and Manchester United have completed the comeback. I think today is probably my proudest moment as a head coach. Just getting close to winning it just shows the strength of character. It's disappointing. Feels like two points dropped, especially in the commanding position we were in. Harding with the chance to cross, it's gone all the way in! And Reading have levelled, and Natasha Harding scores an absolute belter. It's a great ball from Perfield, it's come through for Salmon! Salmon scores! In stoppage time, Bristol City find the equaliser. And who else would it be but Ebony Salmon? Whitfield managed to keep this in and gets across towards the far post. And Dow heads it away, only as far as Walker, who banged it off the bar and into the back of the net. Claudia Walker continues her fine run of form in front of goal. Claudia's uh, enjoying her football and she's come off and she's not very happy because she's not played well. But actually, the, the moment that we needed her, um, she stepped up once again. So, um, unbelievably uh, proud of what she's achieving at the moment. Touchdown, looking for Jarrett. Can she get there? She can. Jarrett! She scored! And having soaked up so much, it's Brighton who nudged themselves in front through Rihanna Jarrett. Wiedemar looking to take on Bright. She's beaten up a pace. Can she get the shot in? Also the cross. Arsenal lead. Miedemar the provider. Mead the goal scorer. And with five minutes to go here, it's the Gunners who are in front. The cross was deflected and it's gone in. Oh, would you believe it? What a way for Arsenal to concede in the final seconds of the 90. I think it was an average performance, but an unbelievable point for us. And I'm pleased because these are the games I fear. I've probably never been more disappointed uh, than today not to take all three points. You heard Emma Hayes, the Chelsea manager, and Arsenal's Joe Montemiro there as we rounded up Women's Football Weekend. Before we delve into Arsenal 1, Chelsea 1, um, I just want to know from both of you whether you felt the love on Women's Football Weekend. Erin, could, could you tell that it was a special weekend even without the fans? Yeah, I think it's not the same without the fans, but there was certainly a lot of build-up in social media from what I saw. Everyone was pretty excited about it, and I don't think it disappointed. No, it certainly didn't disappoint on the pitch. Rebecca, what, what was your thought of it? I mean, everything is different in, in lockdown at the moment as, as it is, but you know, was there enough publicity for it? I think so, yeah. I was actually so pleased to see when it was sort of first announced that it was still going ahead, because I think, you know, there was always that sort of, you know, we didn't know that it was going to go ahead. It, it would be sort of understandable if it hadn't. Certainly they weren't aiming for, like you said, the same kind of attendance records, and that's impossible. Um, but I was just delighted to see that they just went for it, and they said, you know, we're going to do it, we're going to do it really well. Every single match was available to watch for free. That has never happened. You know, I, we had Claire Balding wrote a fantastic column for us on, on Sunday in the, in the Sunday Times, saying, you know, it is the easiest sport in the country to watch today, and that is so true. That's that's such an amazing thing we can do for the game. So, yeah, I was I was really loved it. 
it. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, it's really important, isn't it, to keep that momentum going as well when you think 70,000 people uh, went to games last year and it became an event. You can't then take it away uh, because, you know, then it'd be like starting from scratch again next year. So although it's not the same kind of momentum, it at least kind of keeps the interest there. And as you say, to be able to watch it on, on television is just as important, particularly at the moment. Um, so Arsenal won, Chelsea won. This game kind of sprung into life in the second half, but probably the best person to give us an assessment of the actual game itself is someone who played in it. So step forward, Erin Cuthbert. What was it like from your point of view? I think from a Chelsea point of view, it was quite a disappointing performance. I think we'll be happy with the point. And in the grand scheme of things, it's actually pretty good because the league's really competitive this year. So we need every point we can get. So I think definitely it's a point gain. But I don't think we tested the goalkeeper at all, to be honest. And we were disappointed with that because based on the quality that we have in this group, you know, we want to be testing the goalkeeper and making it difficult for them. But... Um, credit to Arsenal I think they defended excellently and they made it really hard and they banked up and there was not a lot of gaps between the lines so that's something different that we've had to face because in the a lot of the last previous times we've played Arsenal it's been very high scoring games but it was definitely different this time round yeah, you had a perfect opportunity blocked by Katie McCabe, didn't you? And, of course, Sam Kerr could have won it as well. But let's kind of go in game order, if you like. Um, great for Arsenal to have Jill Rod and Kim Little back fit, starting for the first time since September. They hit the bar twice as well. Um, and then five minutes from time, Vivian Miedemar down the left to Beth Mead. And it was, it was a beautifully worked goal, Rebecca. Absolutely, yeah, and, and you know what? I keep I keep thinking about it as a as a Miedemar goal, which is totally unfair to, to Beth because it was an amazing, um, amazing goal from her. But just the, the kind of clarity of that assist—it was just so beautifully executed. You know, she knew exactly where she was on the pitch. She knew exactly the kind of angle she had to put it in at. And she is—I mean, obviously she's a joy to watch. We all know this now, but um, she just keeps getting better and better, which you sort of don't think is possible. I mean, five minutes from time, I bet you thought you were dead and buried then, Erin. Uh, yeah, I, I did and I didn't because at that point um, I always knew there was a belief in the squad. I got substituted when, when the goal happened but I knew the players come in would give energy and Neve Charles has came on and she's delivered a, a beautiful ball for Sam nearly to even get the winner at the end. So I knew they'd inject energy and I don't think Arsenal made any substitutions so we had the upper hand. Maybe if there was another 10-15 minutes in the game it would have been different but it certainly sprung to life near the end of the game. Yeah, it really did because on 90 minutes Penilla Harder it, it looked like she was trying to cross the ball in, but it took a deflection past Innsberger into the back of the goal. Disappointing for, for Lotta Ruben Moy, whose deflection it was, but, you know, it got you back into the game at, at least. And sometimes, you know, if you want to try and win the title, you're going to have to have a little bit of luck go your way. Yeah, and I think sometimes you have to grind out results. Everyone sees the quality that we've got on this side, but I think sometimes you need to be realistic and, and say it's not going to be pretty all the time if you want to win a title. If you want to win a title, not everything's going to be pretty. So I think for us, just getting a point was really, really important. I think it's definitely a change um, from us because in a I've been here four years now and I think a couple of years ago we would have lost that game. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. You're third in the table as well. Um, a game in hand still. Are you happy with the way it's going? I mean, if you win that game in hand, um, then you'd be top. 
Yeah, I, to be honest, I think we're in a brilliant position. Um, we've still got a game in hand, and it's twenty-seven games unbeaten. I think that's we've beat wow. our own record, which is which is massive. And I think being unbeaten is is the is the sort of base and foundation to go on and win titles. So I think that's important for us, and, and keeping clean sheets was important. We were. You know, disappointed with with a goal that was was scored yesterday, but we've been doing really well not to let a lot of goals in. So I think with the attacking quality that we have, keeping goals out is sort of the foundation for us then to to go on and create chances and score. Mm, Rebecca, we heard from Joe Montemuro, the Arsenal manager there, saying he's never been more disappointed to not take three points. I mean, it could have brought them back above Manchester United and and top of the table. And he'll probably look back at that if Arsenal don't go on to win the title and be kicking himself perhaps perhaps yeah it, when it was a particularly sort of brutal way to, to lose those three points and I, I really you know my heart really went out to, to Lottie Wobbenmoy um, who you know I think she, she'd literally just been announced in the stadium as the player of the match if I'm right and then, oh. and then that happened and it, you know she's a super talented really young player as well so you want to you know you always hope that that won't kind of be taken to heart in any way it was just one of those horribly unlucky moments I think mm. um, but yeah you know also I, I just say credit to both teams and I think this is the only in matches like this with this kind of extraordinary level of talent from both teams and, and real burning desire to win that you get these kind of incredible late sort of chaotic last 10 minutes that, that actually are just a joy to watch so it's a real credit to how much both teams really want you know, want the end result, and I thought that was that was kind of the biggest gift the game could have been given that day Yeah, absolutely, so a point apiece uh, seemed fair in the end, but Erin um, what I want to ask you about Chelsea it, I mean We've seen the incredible talent that Emma Hayes has brought in, but she already had incredible talent in in the ranks. How are you finding this competition for for places at the moment? Is everybody finding it spurring them on, or can it be quite frustrating sometimes for for the players who don't make the starting eleven? I think if you're in football and you're not in the starting eleven and you're not disappointed, there's something wrong. So I think it's how you use that disappointment. Um, I've certainly enjoyed having world-class players um, playing next to me in training every single day. And I think the competition's making everyone a better player. Yes, we had world-class already at the club, you know, before the summer signings and, and Sam in the winter. But I think in order to get to the next level and go where we want to go, which is ultimately the Champions League and, and winning all four trophies that we're in, um, then we have to keep building and we have to keep improving as a football club because everyone's getting better. You know, we saw the quality, saw the, you know, introduction of Manchester United, certainly this season, um, for sure. And how competitive the, the league is getting, we, we can't stand still. So we have to keep growing and hopefully we bring the standard up um, in general in women's football in England. Well, from a neutral's point of view, it's certainly exciting to watch. So thank you for that. And we love seeing the standard raised and there being more teams fighting to win the WSL. Uh, right, you are listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. I'm Faker Others alongside Scotland and Chelsea forward Erin Cuthbert and Rebecca Myers from the Sunday Times. Uh, now we get all the big name guests on Women's Football Weekly as you know, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. And next up, Georgia Stanway is with us to dissect the Manchester derby. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the home for women's football.
This is Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2 with Faker Others, Scotland and Chelsea forward Erin Cuthbert and Rebecca Myers from the Sunday Times. Don't forget, if you miss any of our shows or want to listen again on our podcast, the show are, they are available on the Talk Sport app, so you can download them today and go to our podcast section. Uh, right, so we've covered off the London Derby. Now it's time for the Manchester Derby. The league leaders held by their deadly rivals, Manchester City, by two goals apiece. I think it says a huge amount about how hard they work day in, day out to improve, how open-minded they are, you know, how coachable they are, because you know, I think in terms of the way they have been moving forward, the way they've developed over the last two years, it shows you they, they're coming on in games against top opposition. Been 2-0 up, being so in control in the first half, having numerous chances. We always knew 2-0 is, is not an easy scoreline in football to manage. But yeah, I, I thought it was a classic game of two halves. I thought we completely dominated the first half, played some great stuff, and then didn't do enough of that in the second period, so consistency was off a little bit. They score a goal for nothing and, um, you know, you're up against it then a little bit with set pieces. That was Manchester City boss Gareth Taylor and uh, Manchester United's Casey Stoney talking there. And by the way, can I just say, I'll be very glad when we get out of this era of uh, Zoom interviews because it always sounds as if we're talking to people in a toilet. Let's hope that our next guest is not talking to us from inside a toilet. It is Manchester City in England's Georgia Stanway. How are you doing, Georgia? Hi, I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. And it doesn't sound like you're in a toilet, which is great. What are you up to at the moment? <laughs> uh, I'm just sat in the living room. Uh, yeah, just turn the TV off, I'll speak to you, and then I'll put it back on. <laughs> Brilliant. OK, well, listen, I've got Rebecca Myers from the Sunday Times with me and Chelsea's Erin Cuthbert as well, so they're going to be chipping in with a couple of questions too. Really fantastic derby on Saturday, kicking off Women's Football Weekend brilliantly. Not quite the result, though, that City would have wanted, but what a show to put on for the fans who were who were watching from home. Yeah, definitely. It was definitely a very, very good watch and I'm sure that the people watching really enjoyed it. But obviously on a personal level and speaking on behalf of Manchester City, we're obviously disappointed with the result and especially having a 2-0 lead at half-time and then going to that second half. It's just, it almost feels like a loss at the end of the, at the, end of the game, but we've got another game on Thursday to try and put things right. Yeah, I mean, was a draw a fair result though, do you think, in the end? Yeah, I think in the first half we massively dominated. Um, but I'd also say that we didn't take our chances. Um, and then obviously in the second half they capitalised on a few of technical areas um, and then obviously on the set piece as well. So it's really difficult to take, but we know the things that we've got to put right um, and we'll we'll continue to work on that this, this week. What did Gareth Taylor say to you all afterwards? Um, he just said that we've just got to trust the process and we've got to keep doing what we're doing and that we're heading in the right direction and that there were so many positives to take away from that first half. Um, the way we dominated possession, the way we were creating chances, the way we were getting shots off. But then you can also flip it on the head and say that second half, we did none of them things. Um, but yeah, there's so many different positives and negatives to take out of the game. But yeah, we'll just reflect and go again. Hi, Georgia, it's Rebecca here. 
Um, I'm just wondering, there's been so much hype, obviously, about particularly like all the foreign players who've come in from other leagues around the world, um, and particularly, obviously, the American players, and in this instance, Tobin Heath. But I was just wondering, like, does it really fire you up to go out on the pitch at the moment and play against these these names, particularly kind of World Cup winners, and show them, like, well, this is what British talent is, you know, this is what we've got as homegrown talent as well. I wonder if it, it really fires you up. Um, yeah, you can think of it like that. Um, but we also just think about representing our club. Um, and Manchester City is who we play for week in, week out. And they're the team that we wear and they're the, they're the team that we want to win with. And although the opposition and, and us ourselves have signed big players, that it's about utilising that. And obviously, the opposition signing big players will only make the league more and more competitive. And that if we can get it as competitive as we, as we can, where teams are dropping points against teams that they never used to before, then hopefully the, the more the more talent within the um, the competition and obviously the bigger the talent pool will become. Hi Georgia, it's Erin Cuthbert here. Nice to speak to you again. Um, Thank you, John. I just wanted to ask you, you've, you've been in a few different positions this season, a bit like myself, kind of just being played a bit everywhere, a bit fluid. How do you think that's good for a young player and how important do you think that is to have so many different positions under your locker? Yeah, I think it's important. Um, I think it's got its positives and its negatives. I think if you look at it negatively, people would say that you can't constantly fight for one position um, and you can't obviously master one position. But I think if you look at it positively, it's a way of getting on the pitch in so many different positions. If somebody's underperforming then you can always step up in that position and it, it just gives you more variability more flexibility and yeah you're able to play in different positions so I definitely say as a younger player coming up it's important to be versatile and to be able to play in those loads of different positions because it'll only help you when when you're in the seniors. Yeah, I can see how that would help you for for sure, Georgia. I just wondered whether um, you watched any of the other games during Women's Football Weekend and, and if anyone in particular ha- has impressed you, say Erin Cuthbert. <laughs> <I'm joking. laughs> no, I, did, I really enjoyed watching the um, Chelsea-Arsenal game. Um, I think, obviously, any London derby is going to be feisty, as is, as is any derby. Um, so it was actually really enjoyable to watch. Well, I actually thought it was going to be a nil-niller. Um, and then obviously Arsenal took the lead in the very last minute and I thought that's Arsenal with the points. But fair enough to Chelsea, they always find a way to win and they always find a way to get points on the board and that's what they did. So credit to them um, for putting out the show until the 90th minute. Yeah, it was, it was a cracking, cracking weekend. I think Rebecca's got another quick question for you as well. Yeah, I'm just I'm just wondering, Georgia, we've talked so much about um, maintaining momentum this year and particularly after an amazing year for women's football last year, obviously in the face of COVID and, and sort of all the rescheduling and, and the suspension of the league and everything. Do you feel now coming into kind of the end of the year that we have maintained that momentum with fans and that, you know, women's football has had a successful year? Um, yeah, I hope so. Um, I just, my hope is the fact that when, fans are able to come back that we can get the fans in the crowd and that we can get them enjoying the game but hopefully people are enjoying the fact that it's on TV and that it's it's free for people to watch and that pretty much every competition every game is being streamed somewhere so that people are allowed to watch but yeah my hope is just that fans come up and they show up and that they enjoy it when the time's right
I mean, Tobin Heath's goal has been watched over one million times on Twitter as well. So certainly that the word is getting out there, which is brilliant. Uh, before A couple of questions before you go, Georgia. Just firstly, what did you make of Chloe Kelly's goal celebration? Because it was really random from what we were looking. Had she been planning it in the training ground? Is there like an in-joke we don't know? Um, so quite a few of us, we enjoy watching TikToks. Um, and there's like a little green alien um, and he does this sort of dance so she could kind of try to mimic that. Oh, uh, right, okay. Well, I think I'm I, I'm not really brilliant with TikTok, if I'm honest. It, it goes right over my head. Do you know what she's talking about, Erin? Not a clue, oh, but no. it's, <laughs> it, it sounds quite funny. That's, that's That was good banter. I, as soon as I saw that go, I was like, oh, that has to be an inside joke because... There's no way that it could be dancing and celebrating like that if it wasn't. Love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. it was, I'm going to go and check it out on, on TikTok. Uh, slightly more yeah. serious, though. Uh, obviously, internationals coming up and the Lionesses game against Norway on the 1st of December had to be called off because of coronavirus travel restrictions. You are still meeting up uh, for a training camp, though, Georgia, as I understand it. What, what do you think is going to... What are you going to be able to do in that training camp? Um, I think we'll basically be able to do what we're doing at club now, um, but it's all about remaining in your bubble and sticking to the COVID guidelines. And I think the right decision was made to cancel the game just due to the fact that we're keeping everybody safe. Um, and we've got to be as safe as we can during these times. And there's nothing worse than travelling to another country and then maybe testing positive and having to stay there for the duration of the time, potentially on your own, potentially with your team. And it's not a situation that you want to be in. So if we can minimise the risk as much as possible and I know football's our be all and end all but it's not the world's be all and end all so it's important that we take safety first. Yeah that is really important but in terms of how you're going to be able to prepare I mean obviously you've got nothing to prepare for so what kind of stuff can you work on? Um, Well this is a time that we can work on things ourselves we can work on individuals we can work on tactics we can work on how we play as a team and maybe this 10 days is the most 10 days that we'll get during a period where we're not preparing for a game and maybe it's a time that we look at England and we, we figure out our culture, we figure out how we want to play and we just knuckle down and get that get back down to the basics. Excellent stuff. Listen, you knuckle down, enjoy yourself over the next 10 days or so. Thanks for joining us. As always, a pleasure to talk to you. No worries, thank you. Take care. Uh, England and Manchester City forward Georgia Stanway there. Erin, we will talk to you about Scotland. You've got some crucial Euro qualifying games coming up against Portugal and Finland. We'll talk to you about those uh, soon. We'll also, of course, uh, be talking about the rest of the WSL action, including a massive West Midlands derby. You are listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. I'm Faker Others. With me, Rebecca Myers from The Times and Chelsea's Erin Cuspert. And thanks again to Manchester City's Georgia Stanway. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on TalkSport 2. You are listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2, the UK's only national radio sta- uh, station or show dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Others, who can't speak this evening, alongside Scotland and Chelsea's Erin Cuthbert and Rebecca Myers from the Sunday Times as well. Uh, now, Erin, we mentioned earlier you have some crucial Euro qualifying games coming up against her, Portugal and Finland. How confident are you feeling about this? They're both really important matches. I think we're quietly confident. Obviously, Finland won the last game, so we're, we were disappointed from that, but we've got a chance to make it right. You know, The thing in football is when as soon as a, you get a defeat or you get a bad result, you, you're looking forward to the next one, and luckily it's came a couple of weeks later. But tough games ahead, but we've got some welcome faces back in the squad as well, so it's really going to bolster our squad, so I think we're confident. Yeah, I mean, Kirsty Hansen played really well for Manchester United, but of course Kim Little returning to the side for Arsenal, and, and then obviously Scotland's going to make a huge difference. Yeah, of course, you know, we've got Jennifer Beatty coming in at the back as well, and then you've got Kim and then Lisa, all big characters um, and individuals in our team, so I'm really looking forward to it as well, and we've got Fiona Brown coming back from, from Rosengard, so yeah, really welcoming it, and I can't, cannot wait to get going next week. Well, listen, we'll keep our fingers crossed for you, because we'd all love to see Scotland, obviously, at home Euros. It would not be the same without you guys, so we'll keep everything crossed. You've got two games in hand over Finland, who are top. Uh, you are four points behind them as well so we'll keep everything crossed for you very very good luck uh, right it was women's football weekend uh, this weekend three derbies for you so we'll wrap up the third now uh, Birmingham battled through an injury crisis to beat Villa 1-0 and who else but Claudia Walker to grab the winner with her fifth goal in five games to keep this in and gets across towards the far post and Dow heads it away only as far as Walker who bangs it off the bar and into the back of the net Claudia Walker continues her fine run of form in front of goal Claudia's uh, enjoying her football and she's come off and she's not very happy because she's not played well but actually the the moment that we needed her um, she stepped up once again so um, unbelievably uh, proud of what she's achieving at the moment That was, of course, Birmingham head coach Carla Ward speaking there. It was the first ever um, WSL West Midlands derby and uh, a good win for Birmingham there, Erin. Yeah, it was a very good win. I think Birmingham are on a, a great run of form. I've been speaking to my teammate, Jamie Lee Napier, who's out and loan in Birmingham and he said it's a great environment to be involved in and she's really enjoying her football there. 
Yeah, I think uh, it looks like they are. But Aston Villa really struggling at the moment. They got their first win, obviously, uh, last week, but couldn't follow it up, Rebecca. No, and uh, you know they did. They did put you know really good legwork in, and it, it was a tough match. Obviously, really close scoreline. Um, but Birmingham did just edge it, and actually, you know, lovely to see. I know it always hard for the losing team, but really lovely to see for, for Birmingham who'd had a really tough build up to this. And um, and I know you know we mentioned, but but problems with the COVID protocols, and and you know only two subs named on the day. That's a really tough, I think, mindset to go in with as a team. So all credit to them for that. Yeah, COVID hitting everybody really hard at the moment. Um, really want to wish the very best to, to Tanya Oxtoby as well, Bristol City head coach, uh, who tested positive for the virus as well. So wishing her the very best. Uh, that game finished Bristol City two, Spurs two. Um, they finally have a point on the board as well, Bristol. City. Uh, that was thanks to a dramatic last-minute equaliser from Ebony Salmon. Uh, Alex Morgan, their first start, had to come off though at half-time. Uh, Rihanna Dean sent off for Spurs for a challenge on Sophie Bagley. Spurs still without a win, which is a real worry for them, isn't it, Erin? Um, yes, I think so. Um, I've just we've just been concentrating on ourselves, to be honest. But of course, in the WSL, you you worry about not getting not getting results, and I'm sure Tottenham will be the same because they're a big football club as well. So I'm sure they'll be wanting a win. Yeah, Bristol City still rock bottom of the table, Rebecca. Um, big worries. Listen, we've spoken a lot to, to Tanya about what she's got to contend with, but it's not looking good at the minute. It's not, and it's it's just so sort of deeply unfair in so many ways. You mentioned obviously, heart goes out to her as she's tested positive, but they had all these problems with, um, you know, with this eight one recent defeat, and and they've just had a real kind of rough run of it, and and I think. Tanya's a fantastic manager and I really kind of want to see her sort of being given the break almost that she deserves, being given that sort of slightly lucky streak you mentioned earlier. Um, you kind of do need a lucky streak sometimes. It's not always just what you can produce on the day. Sometimes you do need a sprinkle of kind of right place, right time. And they really deserve it at this point. It's a really, It's been a really tough season for them. So I'm kind of hoping that we can see some sort of bright into the year for him perhaps yeah hopefully um West Ham nil Brighton won Hope Powell actually self-isolating as well as a precaution but Brighton's first victory since the opening day fifth straight uh, not straight defeat because they won last week fifth defeat of the season for the Hammers though uh, couldn't manage those back-to-back victories um but you know Brighton Brighton continue they're eighth in the table but West Ham at ninth with just four points and Matt Beard is you know a very popular uh, manager on the WSL scene and he's going to be so disappointed with their season so far Erin yeah and I'm sure he will be Matt, Matt Beard is a manager who wears his heart on his sleeve so I'm sure the girls will know about it and they'll be feeling really really disappointed I think West Ham are a team who have got a lot of quality on their side so I th- I'm sure they'll be disappointed and in looking into reasons as to why they're not getting the results that they'll be hoping for Yeah, Brighton, though, on the other hand, very, very mixed results for them. I can't quite work out who they are as a team, Rebecca. Yeah, a very, very similar sort of take on that, I think. Like, it it all looks a bit sort of muddled at this point. Obviously, also then a really crucial point to to have your manager self-isolating. That's really tough because what they need right now is is very sort of clear leadership, I think, a very clear idea of, of what you know what their aims are where they're going it's a sort of shaky point for them and they need to really turn it around quite quickly rather than let this get to them and, and end up kind of having a sort of spiral effect where, where things get worse I think. Mm, slight spiral effect going on for Everton at the moment they had a one-all draw with uh, Reading and you know since that FA Cup 
uh, final defeat to Manchester City. They've kind of slipped in form a little bit somewhat. They've slipped out of the, the top three. Um, so they're, they're level on points with Chelsea, but with an inferior goal difference. So they're fourth in the table at the moment. But uh, spectacular saves by Royals goalkeeper Grace Maloney in this one, Rebecca. Yeah, I mean, I love, I mean, I think I've said this to you before, Faye, you know, I love to see a great goalie. I love it when the goalie ends up basically being the sort of player of the match. Um, and, and let's, you know, let's not forget as well that, that it, it's been an extraordinary few, well, few months really for Everton. And it was extraordinary to see them kind of get that far in the FA Cup final, not to take away from that achievement. But I think we, we need to sort of let them recuperate from that, let them sort of collect themselves, take into account what an amazing few weeks this has been. Um, and then, you know, I, I have every faith in them to regroup. I think management there is fantastic. I've got great faith in that. And I think, um, I think you know, I think they will be sort of back up there as, as soon as possible. Mm. Friend of the show, Jess Fishlock, Erin, assist for the Reading equaliser. But Tash Harding, that kind of cross shot that went in, the crot, if you like, that we've seen Beth Mead uh, claim before. Would you claim that you meant that kind of thing, Erin? Oh, 100%. If if that's going in, you're, you're saying in the media that you've been practising that and training all week. Um, I'm sure she'll be delighted. I'm sure it probably was meant for a cross. But at the end of the day, if you're putting those crosses in, in between the sort of goalkeeper, the six-yard box, the penalty box, then, then one of them are going to end up flying in, especially if there was a bit of wind like there was yesterday at our game. Yeah, OK. Well, next time you do that, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll rem- remind you of that for sure. Uh, Valerie Govan, though, uh, Rebecca, that injury she picked up in the FA Cup final looks like she's going to be out until at least Christmas and they're really, really missing her, Everton. Yeah, she showed, I mean, she showed very quickly kind of why she'd been bought and why she was worth it. You know, we, um, I think there's always so much hype and we've seen this around Alex Morgan. There's so much hype with with massive signings like that. And, and you sort of always wondered, like, can they certainly initially live up to it? And Valerie Govan did, you know, straight away in the league became sort of integral to, to their results. Um, and I think they will be really missing her. But they need to, I think, you know, always go back to, to basics and think, well, you know, it was great that we brought her in, but we're a fantastic team without her. You know, a lot of our achievements um, have been, I say, oh, I'm not a, not a fan, I should just self-declare. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, they, they need to have faith in, in the sort of strengths that they've built and the, the wider team um, and not, you know, by any stretch rely on, on one person. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. So the table, as it's looking at the minute, Manchester United uh, top on 17 points, played seven. Arsenal, just a point behind them, also played seven. Chelsea women with a game in hand in third, uh, three points off Manchester United. Everton, as I say, dropping to fourth, uh, but level on points with with Chelsea. Then it's Manchester City. uh, They're on 12. Birmingham, Reading, Brighton, West Ham, and then uh, Aston Villa and Tottenham with just three points each and then at the bottom as we said Bristol City women as well but still a lot to play for in this season. Uh, Now then let's wrap up the championship shall we? We don't very often on Women's Football Weekly get to do that which is a massive disservice to what is is a very exciting league uh, particularly this season Uh, so Sheffield United were beaten 1-0 by Durham. I know we've got uh, a Durham fan who who messages in all the time who will be very very excited about that one so Durham holding on to top spot after 
that 1-0 win. Uh, rivals, uh, they are Sheffield United, of course, uh, looking to try and get promoted this season. Uh, the favourites, though, this season, Liverpool, uh, failing to find a way past uh, resolute Blackburn Rovers. That ended up 0-0. London Bees beat Lewis 1-0. Uh, that takes the Bees off the bottom of the table um, as well. Oh, gosh, Leicester City 9, Coventry United 1. I mean, Leicester City are being fantastic this season anyway. I went up there earlier on in the season to, to meet everybody and chat about their season ahead. And, oh, dear, Coventry United, that's uh, not a good result to them. So Leicester up to up to second with that uh, result. So the fight for that one promotion spot just could not be any tighter. One point separating Durham and Leicester. Liverpool in third, three points behind top spot. And Sheffield United dropped down to fourth, just one point behind Liverpool. It's so exciting to watch this season, Erin. Yeah, it is. It's so competitive. I think the championship as well. Everyone thought, oh, Liverpool would would come straight back up and they were going to be investing again. But I think other teams have invested as well. We've saw Leicester City becoming professional. And from what I've heard, it's a very professional environment. You've saw a lot of WSL players actually go down to the championship to play for Leicester. So it's, it's looking really, really exciting. Yeah, it is exciting and, and I can say it is a very professional setup and they train um, at the same training ground as the men and they're certainly investing in that side. So good luck to them and everybody else in the Championship this season. We will go in to a little bit more depth in the Championship next week when we've got a little bit more time, but I'll tell you a bit more about that later on. You are listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Others alongside Scotland and Chelsea's Erin Cuthbert and Rebecca Myers from the Sunday Times. Don't forget, if you do miss any of the show, you can find our podcast by downloading the TalkSport app and searching for Women's Football Weekly. Uh, next, we're going to be shining our spotlight on the Sunday Times Sports Women of the Year Awards. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others on TalkSport 2. You are listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. I'm Faker Others and keeping you company with me, Scotland and Chelsea's Erin Cuthbert and Rebecca Myers from the Sunday Times. Uh, now then, a piece of news that came out this week was Chelsea captain Magdalena Eriksson has signed a new contract extension until 2023. What best person to ask than her teammate Erin Cuthbert about what she's actually like? Erin, uh, I'm just wondering, how crucial actually is she to, to the culture at Chelsea? I think very important. There's been so many signings, but for me, Magda's Magda's really stuck out in that department. She's a great role model, and since she's came into the club, she's instilled a really professional environment, and she's always pushed the standards, and I think she's really, really helped our, our culture, and I think she's so consistent every single week. We can always say Magda's in and around the player of the match, and I think that sort of that energy and that confidence really kind of flows out to the rest of the team. So she's a very positive role model for us. So when you see her sign an extension for, for another three years, what kind of boost does that get, give you guys? Because it feels as if you have like a lot more stability there at the moment. I think it's a great boost. I've saw the difference that Magda's made since being captain in a year. So I'm really excited to, to see the difference that she's going to make in three years. Um, She's definitely really helped me and she's always so, so positive and so professional in her standards. She's always first in the gym, you know, making sure that she's working hard and she's always running a lot in training and pushing everyone to be better. So I think really the sky is the limit and I'm really delighted for Magda because she certainly deserves it. So we're going to be talking about role models shortly when we shine our spotlight on the Sunday Times Sports Women of the Year Awards and certainly... 
uh, Magda Eriksson is definitely a role model. Um, you know, everybody saw that that famous photograph of her in an embrace with her partner, Pamela Harder, who now, of course, plays for Chelsea as well. And they've been talking in kind of a wide-ranging interview about the relationship that they have and that they didn't really intentionally um, plan to be role models, if you like. But I just wondered, Erin, from a player's point of view, how how important is it to have role models like them coming out, uh, being as open as they are, talking about their relationship and, and, and just making it, and I use this word really loosely and uncomfortably, if I'm honest, normally, if you like. I think it's brilliant that, you know, Magda and Panella's behaviour is, is becoming normalised because it's a great environment to be part of and yeah, like you said, they weren't meaning to be role models, but they have they feel like because they have a platform they have a responsibility to be who they are and show they show them who they can be and I think we all at the club certainly certainly support them as well and I think I really enjoy kind of seeing Magda being open, being who she is and I think she really has a platform to influence change and she's got a really powerful voice that people listen to. Yeah, and it's important she has that as well because obviously it, it's very open in the women's game. It's not a culture that, that you know, takes anybody by surprise. But, of course, in the men's game, it's very, very different. Um, and, you know, I hate always comparing the, the two. But, you know, Ericsson talks about the fact that, you know, the culture is not accepting enough in men's football and it ends up not being an individual responsibility to come out. It should be an, a, a collective responsibility to make that environment as safe as possible for someone to be brave enough. And, you know, it shouldn't be that we're talking about somebody having to be brave in 2020 to do that yeah of course and I think that's just the the culture and that's been created in, in men's football it's not very accepting um, and it's not an ind- individual's responsibility to come out I think it is the collective responsibility um, because to make to make the environment as safe as possible but you know I think it's the right steps that it's happening in the women's game and hopefully in the men's men's game we start to see more positive role models like that to to be able to show who whoever that they can be whatever they want to be. Absolutely Um, and talking of positive role models that leads us very nicely into our spotlight this week because if you haven't been listening to Women's Football Weekly every week this season we pick a person a club an organisation or an event from the world of women's football to shine our spotlight on um, we want you though to come up with the suggestions of whose story that you'd like to hear or what you'd like to hear a little bit more about so maybe a player a coach or a team uh, past or present we've had plenty of suggestions come in so thank you for that you can tweet us at TalkSport2 or at Faker Others or email us on women's football weekly at talksport.co.uk and we'll see what we can do but this week we're shining our spotlight on the Sunday Times Sports Women of the Year Awards Rebecca you've been working on this as you do tirelessly every single year. Um, Where are we up to now? And can you explain to to everybody exactly what this um, event is, who won it last year, and tell us more about this year's event? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for for spotlighting this because we are super proud of it. And it's just, um, yeah, it's a strange year to do it in. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it just? I mean, I remember back in like March, we were having these conversations about maybe we'll be able to get 100 people in a room by November. (laughs) That's um, obviously not the the case now. So it's a virtual awards this year. Um, So we've been doing this for for three decades now. So, um, you know, obviously sports women across the board have had more and more publicity and and more and more press coverage in recent years. And that's amazing. But we've really been doing this for, for a very long time so we're very proud of that um and we you know we recognize 
um, the elite sportswoman of the year. We also recognise disability sportswoman of the year and often kind of team of the year, um, young athlete of the year. But this year we've um, changed a couple of those awards and we're doing three awards that really are grassroots focused. And um, because of the pandemic, we wanted to look at all these women who had kept sport alive in their communities and kept people active, kept people positive. You know, we've got Paralympians who sewed masks and stuff for, for the NHS, as well as um, people who sort of, you know, worked through the Black Lives Matter movement to, to raise awareness of um, women of colour in sport. Just an absolutely amazing array of sportswomen. Um, so voting closed literally today, which is super exciting because votes will be being counted right now and we all know our winners imminently. Um, and then they'll be announced at, uh, at the evening next Wednesday, um, which is a virtual event. Um, anyone can join, which is another really actually like quite a positive part of the of the pandemic which I never thought I'd say but you know normally we can only have a very small number of people and now we can have whoever we want so I encourage everyone to sort of get dressed up at home get a glass of Prosecco or tea if that's your thing and and just tune in to celebrate what has still been an amazing year for women's sport. I love the fact that we can celebrate with everybody this year because as you say normally there's just a few of us able to 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 be there and then we can send out clips on social media and things like that but it's really important to to share this with everybody because it's such an important awards ceremony highlighting the amazing thing that that women in sport are doing exactly and and the real like heart of it has always been and i think will always be you know the grassroots is, is just ordinary women like like myself you know like women i think often particularly aren't always that sporty when they're younger obviously there'll be um, exceptions i'd certainly erin would be one of them but um so many of us i think are told that kind of sport isn't for us or um don't sort of see ourselves reflected in in the media or in um in the, the upper echelons of sport certainly in previous generations um and this is all about the women who kind of break through that and say to young girls and and teenagers and women of all ages that sport is for you and and you know it always has been and there's a place for you in kind of whatever you want to do with it so it's really important to me that this year we can get that out and, and everyone can enjoy it so just quickly run through some of the nominations for us yeah, well, again, uh, there were so many concerns at the beginning of the year, like, would we have any live sport to judge on? But we do, we have had, and it's been amazing. So we've got a real mix of a, of a top shortlist. Holly Doyle, the um, amazing jockey, who's smashed, unbelievably smashed her record from last year, this year, even though she had, I think, nine weeks with no horse racing. Um, Lizzie Diagnan, the cyclist, who has won some incredible races this year, some of the best of her career. Two triathletes, Jess Slearmouth and Georgia Taylor-Brown, and Fallon Sherrick, who captured our hearts last December in the darts, if everyone remembers, cast your mind back to a pre-pandemic world. <laughs> um, and then some, yeah, incredible um, Paralympians who, who've broken world records this year, even just kind of in training runs and stuff. Um, we've got a couple of representatives from motor racing, um, a couple from rugby. Um, it's just it's just such an amazing shortlist. I'm really proud of it um, and, and just proud to even be associated with these women because they are really badass. <laughs> so just final plug, how can people take part? Yeah, so if you go to swoty.co.uk, which is S-W-O-T-Y, you can sign up to register for the event and then you'll be sent your um, your link to join on the evening. And like I said, just enjoy it. It's lockdown. We haven't got much on. It'd be a great opportunity to to have a positive evening and, and enjoy, you know, celebrating with people this, this extraordinary time and, and women's sport. Definitely get glammed up with us for sure. Rebecca Myers, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Erin Cuthbert, I hope you're going to get glammed up with us next week. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's me, glammed up on my sofa, cup of tea. Pleasure to have you with us. Thanks to Erin Cuthbert, Rebecca Myers and Georgia Stanway and, of course, all of you as ever for listening as well. Next week, we'll go into a bit more depth with the Championship and focus on Leicester City and catch up with what all the rest of the clubs are getting up to. And we also have an in-depth interview with Arsenal's Vivian Miedemar, so you do not want to miss that one. Any questions for us during the week, you can email us at womensfootballweekly at talksport.co.uk. You can tweet us at talksport2 or at Faker Others. And as ever... If you miss any of the show or you want to listen back to any of our lockdown specials, you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.